Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. I was just standing there thinking that I might have to get like an old school boombox and play a recording of that out with the photo installation. <laughs> I'm not sure just seeing places where we feel God's going to be quite enough when we could also hear them. Thank you. I also think we should have just a little moment of prayer for Pastor Ryan and Pete Bush who have gone to weed time with more children than I could count. Blessings upon them. And I have one more thing for any young folks who are still here that you can be doing. I mean, Ryan, like, kind of gave it away, which was fantastic. Um, But also, for our younger listeners and anyone else, um, you could be drawing pictures of where you have seen or felt God's presence that we could also put in the photo installation. So there's room in the back of your bulletin, and there's paper in the wiggle bag. So if anybody needs to draw a picture and then give it to me. I'm happy to put that up as well. Okay, all that aside, Daniel, sixth chapter. King Darius decided to appoint 120 chief administrators throughout the kingdom and to set over them three main officers to whom they would report so that the king wouldn't have to be bothered with too much. One of these main officers was Daniel. Because of his extraordinary spirit, Daniel soon surpassed the other officers and the chief administrators, so much so that the king had plans to set him over the entire kingdom. As a result, the other officers and the chief administrators tried to find some problem with Daniel's work for the kingdom, but they couldn't find any problem or corruption at all because Daniel was trustworthy. He wasn't guilty of any negligence or corruption. So these men said, we won't find any fault in Daniel unless we can find something to use against him in his religious practice. So these officers and chief administrators ganged together and went to the king. They said to him, long live King Darius. All the officers of the kingdom, the ministers, the chief administrators, the royal associates, and the governors advised the king to issue an edict and enforce a law that for 30 days, anyone who says a prayer to any god or human being except you, your majesty, will be thrown into a pit of lions. Now, your majesty, issue the law and sign the document so that it cannot be changed as per the law of Media and Persia, which cannot be annulled. Because of this, King Darius signed the document containing the law. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house. Now, his upper room had open windows that faced Jerusalem. Daniel knelt down and prayed and praised his God three times that day, just like he always did. Just then, these men, all ganged together, came upon Daniel praying and seeking mercy from God. Then they went and talked to the king about the law. Your majesty... 
Didn't you sign a law that for 30 days any person who prays to any god or human being beside you, your majesty, would be thrown into a pit of lions? The king replied, the decision is absolutely firm in accordance with the laws of Media and Persia, which cannot be annulled. So said to the king, one of the Judean exiles, Daniel, has ignored you, your majesty, as well as the law that you signed. He says his prayers three times a day. When the king heard this report, he was very unhappy. He decided to rescue Daniel and did everything he could to save Daniel before the sun went down. But these men, all ganged together, came and said to the king, You must realize, your majesty, that the law of Media and Persia, including every law and edict the king has issued, cannot be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and hurled him into a pit of lions. The king said to Daniel, Your God, the one you serve, so consistently will rescue you. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. The one you serve so consistently will rescue you. I'm an Enneagram 6. Raise your hand if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Most of the people in the room. Okay, cool. So the Enneagram is a holistic understanding of personality types that's a modern synthesis of a number of ancient wisdom traditions. Within the Enneagram, there are nine types or personalities that are informed by each other, that relate to each other, and draw from one another. I happen to be a six. Sixes are known as the loyalists. We're often described as dependable, committed, responsible warriors, suspicious, and security-oriented. For me, this translates into being a worst-case scenario planner who wants to follow the rules, and if I'm on your team, you've got me for life. Well, since I joined up with Team Jesus many years ago, one of my goals is to serve God consistently to consistently read God's word, follow God's commands, see Jesus and all those I meet, love my neighbors, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever she might take me, pray without ceasing, trusting God and giving thanks and praise in all that I do and practicing being present now, here, this. But what I'm really consistent at is trying and forgetting messing up, and then remembering to try again to serve God in all of my days. I'm no Daniel. Sure, I can imagine myself continuing to believe in God even when challenged, but not freaking out when there's the threat of a den of lions? Mmm, please. As I said before, I'm an A-plus worrier and a worst-case scenario planner. So you know, That if I heard rumor that there was threat of being thrown into a lion's den, I would gather up all of my children's fact books about animals and start watching every documentary I could on TV to find out what the trick was about lions. Like how to relax them like sharks. When you flip them over, it's called toxic immobility, and it basically puts them to sleep. 
Surely there is a clue in one of the National Geographic magazines piled by my bed to tell me how to do this with lions, right? But friends, you and I both know that even with all that researching and planning, there would be nothing that I could do except trust God's angels to shut the mouths of those hungry lions. Thankfully, God is more consistent than I am. When I started seminary, which is graduate school for people wanting to be ministers, I was right out of college and I was terrified. I was in a new city and I wasn't sure I knew how to make friends with all of these wise and faithful people who talked about Jesus all the time and were clearly meant to be in ministry, aka my classmates. And my strategy became just sitting or standing next to people who seemed nice, who might smile at me and every once in a while include me in a conversation. And that's how I became the closest of friends with Irene and Jamie. They tell me it wasn't awkward, but I have to believe it was awkward that I just kept like showing up next to them. Anyway, over the last 19 years, we've remained close studying together, being a part of one another's weddings and ordination services, listening to the joys and frustrations of ministry, both in congregational and hospital settings. The pandemic may have kept us apart, but it didn't keep us from sending each other mail and prayers and a million text messages. Well, several months ago, Irene, who is also an associate pastor, texted our group chat and said, hey, I'm going on sabbatical. Let's go to Europe. Now, we were all really excited about the possibility of spending time together, of doing those things that you can't do over Zoom or text message. We all needed to see each other and to be seen by one another, to be present to each other. Jeannie lives in North Carolina, and Irene lives in San Jose, California, which is not far from San Francisco, which is not far from the Monterey Bay. So for those of you who've met me before, uh, you might predict that my response was, that sounds great, but what if instead we went to see your whales? <laughs> well, it didn't take a lot of convincing. The goal really was just to be together. And so they went along with my plan, knowing, not knowing actually, or understanding the intensity I bring to the knowledge and search of knowledge about whales and other marine life and the depth of my commitment and laser focus on spotting these animals. I had assumed they'd been on whale watches before, but in the car driving from San Jose to Monterey over an hour, I learned what happens when you assume, or rather they do, because for that hour they got uh, a lot of education about whales from me. The different types of whales, the whales they were likely to see, their singing and mating behavior, their migratory patterns. I also gave them tips on how to watch whales, along with the inside scoop on the boats we would be riding on, their captains, crew, and naturalists, of course. I was doing my best to convert them into whale people. I also explained why it was that I love whales oh so very much. They're symbols to me of the Holy Spirit. They're these huge creatures who live in every sea in the world. They are all around us. 
and yet most of us don't have the opportunity to spot them very often. We need to train ourselves and to practice patience in order to be able to see them. And when they present themselves, it's a holy moment. Training ourselves to God's presence in our midst is much the same, and we can learn much about a posture of wonder, mystery, and awe by observing these creatures. Now, the nice thing about the Monterey Bay is that it is full of life. And so as we parked the car at the harbor and got out, we immediately heard the sound of sea lions barking. Before we'd been on the boat for even five minutes, we'd seen more sea lions than we could count, both in and out of the water, a pregnant southern sea otter sunning herself, and then we rode through the mouth of the harbor into the ocean, the spouts of humpback whales. That morning on a small boat with just the three of us and our captain, Caitlin, we saw over 30 humpbacks. We saw them sleeping, we saw them eating, and most impressively, tail slapping. For four hours, we observed these creatures and many others, including one of my favorites, the Mola Mola. And if you don't know what a Mola Mola is, ask me afterward. But Irene and Jeannie were hooked. That afternoon, as we got back to the apartment where we were staying, Jeannie began getting word of a shooting in her neighborhood. People were texting to check in on her. She was checking in on her wife, who was cordoned off at home while the police officers investigated. And she was also checking on the chaplains at the hospital that she supervises and works alongside of, who found themselves caring for the victims and families of this mass shooting. Jeannie was dealing with the trauma that many of her loved ones and close friends were experiencing, as well as processing her own trauma and not being there, and what it might be like to go back to her neighborhood, which had been forever changed. Here she was in this beautiful place, surrounded by the reality of life that's beautiful and heart-wrenching all at the same time. That afternoon, Jeannie and I spent some time sitting on the beach just watching. We didn't know that the den of lions would feel quite so close to us on this trip. But in those quiet moments and in the conversation we shared, there was a deep sense of God's presence surrounding us, wrapping us in love and care and holding Jeannie in ways she was unexpectedly needing. As we headed out on another marine adventure the next morning, I prayed silently, God, Jeannie needs some moments of joy and healing. Please, Help us and our captain and crew define whatever it is we need to experience today. And the whales came out in all their glory, winging up from the depths as though they were angels, bringing good news and tidings of great joy, making us feel as though it was no small coincidence that the translation of the Latin name for humpback whale is big-winged New Englander. And while we didn't actually touch those wings, you're not allowed to touch those wings, we could feel the embrace of God's love through them. Jeannie, Irene, and I shared another two days together eating good food and telling stories, visiting the aquarium and marveling at the schools of fish, just like the ones that had been swimming hidden under our boat, and laughing and crying together. 
as Jeannie and Irene prepared to head back to San Jose, leaving me to watch more whales subsequent days. We spent our last moments together, standing on the beach looking at locked arm in arm. We were quiet for several minutes until I broke the silence, saying, the whales are out there right now. Even when we can't see them, they're always there. We have seen them, and we have heard them, and we have smelled them, and it has been a gift. God will continue to be with us, holding us together whether we are near or far, and holding us as we live through the beauty and the pain of this world. If you ever forget that, because I know that I will, just remember, the whales, like God, are always there. And the next thing I knew, Irene called out, I see a spout! Me too, shouted Jeannie. The transformation into whale people was complete. <laughs> While you and I may not be able to consistently serve God in the ways we would like or the ways we imagine ourselves doing, God is still consistent with us. The one we consistently serve, however inconsistent that consistency may be, continues to rescue us from metaphorical dens of lions. Like Daniel, we will encounter difficulties and dangers in our lives, and like Daniel, we can do our best to keep on keeping on, trusting that God is near, turning to God in prayer, that we might see and feel and experience God's presence in our lives, even when we least expect it. And as we heard in Luke's passage, the passage from Luke a moment ago, even Jesus needs this reassurance that God is near in the most difficult of moments. Now, as I was writing this sermon in the airport, I thought that that was the end of the wild stories I would have for you today. But it turns out God had other plans. You see, our flight was unexpectedly delayed. Hence why I was able to write most of the sermon in the airport. And then when we were finally hurried on to the plane, only to sit there for another hour, I noticed that there was a family sitting in the row in front of me, a grandmother, mother, and three children, ranging in age, I would guess, from about two to eight. The daughter was very anxious to be on the plane. And all that waiting and the strange noises and the messages from the captain and crew put her over the edge. It was then that I remembered that my friend, Captain Caitlin, had given me two copies of a children's book about a young girl named Nina. I'd put one of those copies in my carry-on, which, of course, got checked at the gate. But I had the other one with me, just in case I needed something to read or it turns out a sermon illustration. So I pulled out the book, and I knelt down next to her, and through tears, both hers and mine, because these moments always make me teary, I said, hi, my name's Lindsay, and sometimes I feel pretty nervous about being on a plane. It looks like you might be feeling pretty nervous today, too. Well, when I feel scared, I like to think about one of my most favorite things in all the world, whales. I happen to have this book that a friend of mine gave me, and it's about a girl just about your age and how she helps a whale. And I wonder if you might like to look at it. And I slipped it into the seat pocket in front of her, 
And as I did that, she stared at me with wide eyes while she was still holding her barf bag. I sat back down, and after a few more minutes of tears, her grandmother was able to distract her with conversation and then asked if she could read it to her. It worked. The whales, and by whales I mean also the Holy Spirit, had once again shown up in a series of unexpected ways to offer their comfort and their presence. And it wasn't long before I was showing her pictures of the whales that I had seen, and she was telling me about the thing that she loved most, rats. (laughs) I did not see that coming. But it turns out she has four at home, and her mom says she can't have any more. But part of why she was so worried and sad before she told me was because one of her rats wasn't doing well. He's partly paralyzed, she said, and we're the only ones who know how to care for him. He can't really eat well anymore, so I have to feed him yogurt and baby food. And I'm worried he won't be there when I get home. Daniel was threatened with being thrown into the lion's den, threatened with death, But he kept on doing what he knew how to do, praying to God, serving God, and trusting in God's presence. Now, if you aren't familiar with how the story ends, I know Ryan read it a bit for you, but don't worry, God does show up. Angels appear, and they shut the mouth of the lions, keeping Daniel safe. He climbs out of the den, and he tells this story of God's presence to King Darius, who rejoices and proclaims that Daniel's God is the living God who stands firm forever, the rescuer who performs signs and miracles on heaven and on earth. I don't know all the ways that God will continue working in Jeannie and Irene's life or in mine. I don't know all the ways God is working in your lives right now at this very moment or the angels that you have seen winging about. I don't know what will happen to the little girl on the plane's beloved pet rat. But I do know that she was calmer while she was reading that whale book. And I hope that in some small way, it's a reminder to her and her family and my seatmate and all those around us on the plane that there is love and kindness that surrounds us in the world, often showing up in the most unexpected of ways. A reminder that the one we serve consistently will rescue us. Or maybe that or just that whales are just really cool. Hallelujah and amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.